Matthew 5. Are you alive and well this morning? So we're a responding church, right? We respond during the worship. We respond during the teaching. We respond during the offering. We respond all the time. Because the quiet church is a dead church. We're not a dead church. Now, uh, I know Mom mentioned it, but just again, next Sunday morning, uh, Pastor Dennis and Pastor Angie Hadabaugh will be with us from Church on the Rock, Georgetown, Texas. So uh, I encourage you guys to come and be available for that service. It'll be a great time. And that's someone we look up to a lot, and their church is doing amazing things and just growing and thriving, and they're paying cash for new buildings, and uh, God's doing some amazing things down there at their church. So uh, let's come and support them, and I know if you've ever heard Pastor Dennis preach, uh, you know he's an amazing teacher of the Word of God. Uh, So I encourage you next Sunday to come to that. So today we're going to start in Matthew 5, and uh, we've been talking about for the past uh, couple weeks about salt and light, and that's where we're going to continue on today. So Matthew 5 and 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Can I get amen in the house of God today? So today we're going to be continuing our series on salt and light. Now last week we talked about salt, and if you weren't here you can always go on our website, and the messages are online for free. You can download them. You can listen to them. Um, so we're not going to talk about salt so much this week. We're going to talk about light. And so we want to talk about the subject of light. What does it mean when God says in His Word, Jesus is speaking, He says, you are the light of the world. Now, once again, this is taken from the Sermon on the Mount, which was recorded, and it's really Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, the chapters. And there's so much in the Sermon on the Mount. I encourage you, you can just read it. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, Read it in different translations. You'll see it from different perspectives. But there's so much in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And that's the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we know we got our first series from the Sermon on the Mount. It was in Matthew 6, 33. Came from that same sermon. Now, of course, Sermon on the Mount, he was on a mountaintop uh, preaching this message to maybe hundreds, could be thousands of people. Now, he was on a mountaintop, so that means they didn't have a sound system back there. But it was easy to hear him because he was on the top of a mountain, so his voice carried. And so from anywhere from hundreds to thousands of people were following Jesus and listening to this message. Now, you thought we had long services, but we don't actually. Scripturally, we don't. Uh, Because a lot of times Jesus would preach for days at a time. And there was no go home, take a nap, eat your meal, come back, it was, we're going to teach all day for the next several days. And you know what? If they get hungry, Jesus is going to say, give me, give me a couple happy meals, give me a couple uh, soft tacos from Taco Bell, I'll multiply them, we'll eat, you don't even have to go anywhere. And so that's what Jesus would do. He would preach sometimes for days at a time. Now he's Jesus, so he can do that. He was the best teacher and preacher of all time. 
Now, we can't do that because people can't hang that long for several days at a time. But Jesus could do that. So sometimes he would preach for days at a time and expound on what he was talking about to all these multitudes. Like I said, they wouldn't even have to leave for food because he would say, hey, who's got some food? Let's pray over it. It's going to be multiplied. And, hey, you're not even going to have to go to Taco Bell. We got it right here. So Jesus would do that for sometimes days he would preach on a certain subject. Now, Sermon on the Mount is one of the most famous messages and sermons that are recorded of Jesus. And he says that you are two things. He's talking to people that are believers and who follow him, who are people that are going to be saved. He's talking to us, the disciples of Jesus, because we still are, 2016, we're still disciples and believers of Jesus. And he says, you are two things. You are salt and you are light. You are salt and you are light. Now, these are really famous verses, but we talked about last week that what does salt and light mean? Well, salt and light are things that influence. Salt and light are things that influence. Salt and light are things that make a difference when they're there. And we, we mentioned this last week, but you realize when salt's in your food, it makes a difference. Can I get an amen? When it's not in your food, it makes a difference. When salt is on the roads, when it's icy, it makes a difference. When it's not, it makes a difference. And so whatever salt and light, wherever they're at, whatever they're in, they make a difference wherever they are. They are influential things. They're not just things that you can just throw away and just be like, no big deal. No, salt and light get people's attention. They're influential things. That's why Jesus said, you are salt and you are light. Now we're going to talk about light today. Now light... He was talking about light. You are the light of the world. And so let's turn over to John 17. John 17, and we're going to read in verse 4. You guys here this morning? John 17. Actually, let's start John 17, 14. John 17, 14. Now, I want to kind of set the foundation for what we're going to say the rest of this time. And I mentioned this last week, but let's mention it again. John 17, 14. Now, this is Jesus praying for us. Jesus is praying for his disciples, which we are. And Jesus says this in John 17, 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray. Notice what he says. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Verse 18, I sent me into the world. I also send them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by my truth. But notice in verse 15, it says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but you should keep them from the evil one. That's very key for what we're talking about. Jesus says, I don't pray that you should get the believers out of here as quickly as possible. I want you to be here because you need to do something while you're here. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. And it's not just to come to church on Sunday. It's to do something in the world. 
outside of the four walls of the church. You're here to be an influential force in this planet. You're here to make a difference. You're not just here to be here on Sunday and act like you don't know what you're doing Monday through Saturday. You're here for a purpose and for a reason. And Jesus says, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. Now, how many know there's a lot of doomsday believers who are praying, God, please come and get us out of here? Isn't that the truth? That's unscriptural. And a lot of people are afraid, which is not from God, of the world. They're afraid of ISIS. They're afraid of the government. They're afraid of Donald Trump. Well, maybe you should be. I don't know. Him and Bernie Sanders and Hillary, too. Who can trust him? But the thing is, we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. And a lot of believers are afraid of the world. They're afraid of their job. They're afraid of getting out in public. They're afraid of doing something and standing up. They're afraid, well, the world's getting darker and darker, and the world's you know, going to hell in a handbasket, so Jesus, hurry up and get us out of here. Jesus said, don't pray like that. I need you here. I need you to do something. I need you to make an impact. I called you to be here as my body on the earth. So we need to stop having this escapism mentality as believers where God hurry up and come get us and God hurry up take us to heaven. No, God wants us to do something right now. Because trust me, you'll get more than enough time in heaven. It's forever and ever and ever. So what's the rush going to heaven? You're going to be there plenty of time. But we only have one life to live down here right now. And God says, you're here not on accident, you're here on purpose. And he's praying to the Father, and he says, I don't pray that you get these believers out of here. I want you to keep them here, but just keep them from the evil one. And so we as the body of Christ, the church, are supposed to be in the world, but not of it. Now there's two extremes people go to, especially in the church world. They're either in this category, which is... I'm scared of the world. I'm hiding from the world. I don't talk to anybody who doesn't believe like me. I only listen to Christian music. I have Christian bumper stickers. I have Christian t-shirts. I shop at the Christian bookstore. And that is my whole life. And I'm secluded and isolated because that's what Jesus has called us to be. Now, the extreme, extreme version of that is I move to Idaho and get a bunker and start a cult and grow out my beard, kind of like mine. And then we, you know, we're sackcloth and ashes and pray that Jesus will come quickly in our apocalypse bunker. Have you heard of anybody like that? Now, that's an extreme on one side. And so, really, you stay in a compound of just believers, people that love Jesus because it's comfortable that way. Now, most of us are not that extreme, but a lot of times we do isolate ourselves with just believers because it's easy. Can I get amen? It's easy that way. It's very comfortable to be that way. So we got this extreme over here, which is wrong, but then we got the other extreme. This is more my generation. So um, (laughs) to do the opposite of that, um, because we want to be relevant to the world and we want to fit in with the world and because we want to reach people in the world, we act just like the world. So that means we do whatever the world does. We talk like the way the world talks. We live the way the world lives, but we have no power to change them when we're out there. So this is not working either. 
And like I mentioned last week, the world will say, you're the coolest Christian I ever met, but you don't have any power to change their lives. So what's the point? And so we don't need to get in one extreme or the other. Because Jesus said, I want you to be in the world. No, you need to be there. In the world. But you don't need to be of the world. You have to be made of something different than the world. You have to look different. You have to talk different. You have to have a different spirit about you than the world has about them. You have to be different in the way you see things. You have to have a faith about you and a hope about you and a peace about you that distinguishes you from the world when you're in there. Because there's no reason being in the world and being just like the world makes no impact. It makes no difference. It makes no influence. But we're called to be salt and light, and salt and light makes a difference and an influence wherever they're at. So Jesus is called to be in it, but not of it. we got to be in it, but not of it. You're getting something this morning. Now let's look back at Matthew. Matthew 5. Is anybody warm in here? Yes. I'm a little warm. Miss Jenny, hook us up with some cold air. <laughs> I thought it was just me since I'm up here preaching with a, with a jacket on. So we need to realize that we are called to be in this world but not of it. Now, God sent Jesus to this world to save us, to heal us, to rescue us. But Jesus is not here in physical form anymore. He's not here in physical form. Jesus went to heaven with the Father, but notice what He did. He sent back the Spirit of God to empower His children, which we are, to empower His church, to empower the body of Christ to be the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. So this goes back to this idea that if it's got to get done on the planet, then the body of Christ is going to have to do it. A lot of times we're praying that, Jesus, you need to come change people. Jesus, you need to come do revival in my school. Jesus, we need this. Jesus, we need that. And Jesus is saying, I sent you. You're the ones I sent. Because He's in heaven. He's not coming back down. He's here by His Spirit. But His Spirit is empowering the church. The body of Christ, which we are. And so if it's going to get done, if people are going to get reached, it's not going to be, well, Jesus is going to do it. No, Jesus is doing it through us, through His church. The thing is, a lot of Christians want to believe that lie because it takes the responsibility off themselves. If it's up to Jesus and I'm praying, Jesus, you do it. Jesus, you fix it. Jesus, you heal them. Jesus, you prosper them. Jesus, you reach them. Then you don't have any responsibility in your everyday life. But the truth is that you are the Jesus that people see. The spirit of Jesus is living on the inside of you. And you are the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. You are the body of Christ. Because he's not here in physical form. He's here by his spirit through his church. So if it's got to get done, the church has to do it. That's why if there's going to be revival on your job, guess what? You're going to be the one starting it. If there's going to be revival in your school, you're going to be the one starting it. If people are going to be reached in your neighborhood, you're going to be the one starting it. Because Jesus is using us, His church. Now that's exciting. 
A lot of Christians are not excited about their life because they believe the lie that it's not up to them to do anything. But the most exciting life is realizing that Jesus is using us every day if we want to be used. Jesus is changing the world, notice, through the church every day. Jesus is healing people every day through the church, which is us. Jesus is delivering people through the church, which is us. So we got to realize we are the body of Christ. The Word of God says, as He is, so are we in this world. We're at in this world. Notice, as He is, where's He at? In heaven. So are we, the church, in this world. So in the eyes of heaven, we are the same. He is the head, we are the body. As Jesus is in heaven, all the power He has, His church has the same power, but notice, it's in this world. Notice He didn't even say, in this church. He said, in this world. Because that's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in it, but not of it. You guys get anything this morning? So we're here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're supposed to be in this world, but not of it. As Jesus is in heaven, so is His church on the earth. Now, we're going to talk about light today. And a little introduction to light is this. We were thinking about light and the significance of light in the Bible. Now, God reveals himself as a lot of things in the Bible, but there's really three specific things that keep coming up. God is life, God is love, and God is light. God reveals himself all throughout the Bible as three things. Now, there's more than this, but three predominant things. God is life, God is love, and God is light. And so we see that God is light. God reveals himself as light. In the book of James, it says that our God is a God and he is the father of lights. And it goes on and says that God is the Father of lights and there's no darkness in Him at all. So God reveals Himself as the Father of lights and there's no darkness in Him at all. Now all throughout the Old Testament we see when God revealed Himself to all the different prophets and all the different leaders in the Old Testament, a lot of times when God revealed Himself, He would come and the best way to describe it is He was light. When he revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush, he was light. When he revealed himself to Abraham, when he made a covenant with Abraham, he was light. All throughout the Old Testament, when it talks about God revealing himself in physical form to people, he was always represented as light. So it's significant that we need to talk about light today because God calls us, his children, light. So God is light. And in him is no darkness. Now in Revelation 21, interesting scripture, it says that in eternity, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. You ever heard that song before in this church? In Revelation 21, notice it says that when we get to heaven, there's not going to be a sun and there's not going to be a moon. Because Jesus will be the light. I mean, that's some powerful light. 
no sun, no moon, no electricity bill. It says Jesus himself will be the light of heaven. Jesus himself will light up heaven all by himself. No soon, no moon. (laughs) That too. None of that. Jesus himself represents light and will be light and will light up heaven. Now Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that you may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So we see that God revealed himself as light in the Old Testament and the New Testament, all over the Bible, that God is light. So it makes sense that God himself would call his followers light. And he talks about light and darkness. Darkness meaning the enemy. Darkness meaning the works of the world. Darkness meaning evil. That there would be light that would overtake the darkness. And Jesus says that we are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, we mentioned this last week, but you are the salt of the, of the, of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. You are, right now. Same way with light. You are the light of the world, right now. Now, you might not act like it. <laughs> you might not even feel like it this morning. But if you love Jesus and you know Jesus and the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, you are the light of the world. Now this is where, once again, religious people come in and say, well, Jesus is the light of the world. Yes, He is. But He's not here in physical form. He's only here through His church. So if He's light... What does it say? We're light. (laughs) As he is, so are we in this world. So if Jesus is the light of the world, then his followers in his church is the light of the world. So all of us in here right now, he says over you, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the light that's in this dark world right now. You are, his church is the light of the world. And notice it goes on and says that you are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Now, we still do this today. We have technology, but so many major cities around the world are set on hills. So many major cities in the world are set in an area where people can see them. Now, we realize we have technology today, but especially back then, Several thousand years ago, the only way that they could find their home or they could find the city that they came from is that there were cities set on hills with lights on so they could find their way home. We know that they didn't have electricity like we have today. They didn't have the same technology. They didn't have Google Maps on their cell phone. All they had was there were cities set on a hill that were full of light so they could find their way home. 
I'm preaching and you're not saying anything yet. And Jesus says that we are, as His church, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. A city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Now there's some authority in that verse, isn't it? You don't hear no weak, feeble, barely getting by church when Jesus says you are the light of the world and you are a city that's set on a hill. That means you're above everything. You're not in the, in, in the bottom. You're not in the valley. You're on top of everything. You're a city that's set on a hill. He's talking about His church that cannot be hidden from the world. And so... It doesn't matter that there's darkness around us and darkness trying to overtake us. We're a city set on a hill that's full of light so people can find their way home. And that's what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be a city set on a hill that's full of light, that's full of life, that's full of love, that it cannot be hidden, that people have to take notice of us. Because we're supposed to be an influence. And we need to make a difference in this world. Not just get by. Not just survive. Not just eke into heaven. Feeble and poor and sick. No. We're going to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That the city can't ignore us. That the region can't ignore us. That politicians can't ignore us. That businesses can't ignore us. And the world can't ignore us. Even if they want to, they can't because we cannot be hidden. I'm preaching this morning. I don't know if you're hearing me. (laughs) A city set on a hill, it can't be hidden. Now, I know that doesn't mean as much to you as it meant to them because all they had was cities on a hill. All they knew was, if I'm going to find my way home, I need to look up and look for some light. (laughs) Or I'm not going to find my way home. And that's what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be so influential and so powerful that we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You know, that's what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to influence the world, not the world influence us. The church is supposed to influence culture, not the culture influence us. We are the ones in authority here. We are the ones with God on our side. We are the ones with the overcomer living on the inside of us. We are the ones that are the light of the world, not the world. A lot of Christians have that defeatism mentality that is not in the Bible. It's religion. The thing is, if most churches thought this way, the church would would have changed the world by now. If most believers realize that they are the light of the world and they're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, the world would have been changed years ago. There's a reason the world is in the shape it's in. It's because of the church. Not the world. Are you here today? Do you still like me? Are you still listening to what I'm saying? The reason that the world is the way it is is not because the devil's big, bad, and mean and he's in charge. It's not because the darkness is greater than the light. It's because the church is not being who they're called to be. It's because the church is not being a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. They're hiding. Instead of going into the darkness with the light. You hear this morning. (laughs) 
So God says, you're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. We light those things, those, those houses, those cities, because people need to find their way home. Why do we have lighthouses out to sea? So people can find their way home. <laughs> people that are lost out there, going nowhere fast, looking for answers, looking to find their way home, just going in circles like a lot of people on this planet are. When they see a lighthouse, they know where to find home. And that's what the church is called to be, a lighthouse that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's who we are. We are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, that's full of light. That people would find their way home because we kept the lights on. Woo! Verse 15. says, Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, because it gives light to all who are in the house. Now, Chad brought this out for me. Hopefully this, this light works. There we go. That brother Sean anointing has been on me the past two weeks. You got to tell him. Object lessons for days. So, isn't that a nice lamp from the office? So God says, nor do you light a lamp and put it under a basket. But you put it on a lampstand. So it can give light to all who are in the house. Now, in those days, of course, they didn't have electricity, but they did have lamps. And they lit them with oil and fire. And when they did that, of course, common sense would say, if you're going to light a lamp in a house, if you're going to do that, you're not going to put it under the couch, right? <laughs> Hopefully not. You're not going to put it under your bed. It's a fire hazard. And it says you're not going to put it under a basket. You're not going to cover it up. There's a reason you turn on the lights, and it's so you can see. You don't turn the lights on so you can cover them up. You would have just left them off if you wanted them covered up. And Jesus says, when you light a lamp, don't put it under a basket, but on a lampstand so it can give light to all who are in the house. So God says, when your light's shining in the world, don't hide it. Don't disguise it. Don't put it under your bed. Don't put it in your backpack. Don't put your coat over it. Are you a Christian? Uh, not really. Probably not. Um, do you go to church? I don't think so. Probably not. Uh, do you love God? Nope, never heard of him. Never heard of him. This is what Christians do all the time. You got light in you, but why are you hiding it? Jesus says, when you light a lamp, you don't hide it. You put it on a lampstand so everybody can see it. You put it out in the open so everybody in the room can see. So let's not hide our light as the church. 
Let's not disguise our light and say, oh, I don't know. Your coworker says, you know, I've just really been having a lot of bad headaches. I really don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know either. Maybe she'd go to the doctor. Bye. <laughs> We're laughing because we've all done that. Oh, no, take some medicine, probably. Oh, don't you pray for people? No, I don't. I don't. That wasn't me. That was somebody else. It looked just like me. It wasn't me. We think it's funny, but this is what we do all the time. God says, if you're the light of the world, you don't hide it. You put it on a lampstand so people can see. How many know if people are going to see God, we're going to have to be out in the open? If people are going to experience God, we're going to have to be out in the open. Stop hiding it. Stop trying to put it in your backpack, under your coat, under your bed, under your couch, in a basket. Be out in the open. Because how are people going to see God unless we put it on a lampstand for all to see? Instead of acting like we don't know, really. So it says you put it on a lampstand so everybody can see it. The reason you turn your lights on in the house is so you can see. That's why we turn the lights on. So people can see. And who are they supposed to see? They're not supposed to see us. They're supposed to see God. We turn the lights on so people can see God. Now, in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, it says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Or we could say, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Now, what that means is this. Before you met God, you were darkness. But when you got saved, Jesus came on the inside of you and lit you up. Come on, Jesus, light my fire. Isn't that the truth? Come on, Jesus, light my fire. Okay. Um, we know where all the hippies are in the, in the house of God today. Come on, Jesus, light my fire. Okay. So, the spirit of man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord. So, when you get saved, you get lit. You didn't realize that, did you? You got lit up by the spirit of God. And he lit you on fire because the spirit of man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord. So you're light now. You're not darkness. Because the spirit of God has lit you up and you are the light of the world. Now we don't take that lamp and go hide it now. We put it in the middle of the room for all to see. And I know that some of us in here, maybe our lights got dim. Well, Jesus can relight you. Jesus can put some gasoline on that fire. Jesus can help you take your lamp from behind and put it in the front so you're not intimidated when you're in the world. And so we realize that Jesus, through His Spirit, has given us light. You know, right now, in this room, there's lots of lights on. We see that. There's lots of lights on. This lamp really doesn't matter right now. It's not doing any good. It's not helping anybody. If I turned the, turned the lamp off right now, nobody would say, oh my gosh, I can't see. 
Nobody would say that. Why? Because light matters in darkness. Let me give you an example. All of us in here right now, God loves this. This is great. He wants you to be in the house of God. But it's not making a difference right now because we're all light in here. It's not making a difference because we're all light. None of our lights are standing out in here because there's no darkness. And so this is what we need to get. It's awesome that we come to church and we get relit every week. But what is it lighted for? What's the purpose if we're going to go hide it the rest of the week? What's the purpose that we're all lighting here, which is awesome and is great? But it doesn't matter if there's no darkness. It doesn't stand out if there's not any darkness around. That's why Jesus says you need to be in the world and not of it. Because when you light something, when it's dark, it stands out. It's a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. When you're light in a dark world, people will be drawn to you. You remember Bugs Life? With the light hanging down in the darkness? I can't help it. But it's true in the world. When the world is dark and you turn on the light, people will be drawn to you. People will be attracted to you. They don't like the darkness. They don't enjoy the darkness. They're just waiting for somebody to get around who has some light so they can be drawn to you. So they can come to you for help. So you can point them in the right direction. So they can see God. That's why they want to see some light in the darkness. So it's precious that we're all light in here, but it doesn't matter. The light only matters when it's dark out there. And that's when you need to have your light on, not hidden. When you're in the world Monday through Saturday. Because people are drawn to light. They're attracted to light. And light only matters when it's dark. Light makes a difference when it's dark. Light stands out when it's dark. If you're only around light people, you will not have an impact on anybody. I know we know that, but we don't know that. (laughs) We all know that, but then we just keep hanging out with light. You know that you need to be in the darkness, but it's easier to be in the light, isn't it? (laughs) It's more comfortable to be over here when you're the majority. It's easier to be over here. But God says, you're not going to affect this world if you're not light in the darkness. You got to be a city set on a hill. You got to be a lampstand out in the open, not hidden. And people will be drawn to you because of that. People will see God because of you. People will see their way home because of you. There's people all around that are searching for God. And if they just saw a little light, they could find their way home. You know that? (laughs) There's people that even they experience God when they're younger, but they don't even know the way back home. If they just saw somebody who was light, they could find their way home. 
Just somebody. Doesn't even have to be a bright light. Just some light. They could find their way home. And so light makes a difference in the darkness. Light matters in the darkness. Light stands out in the darkness. Are you still here this morning? Let's read again in Matthew 5. 16. So Jesus finishes this message about light and he says, So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. People need to see your light. People need to see the church. And notice it says they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Meaning the only way they're going to get to the Father is through somebody who's given them light. Now we all know there's the examples of people in other countries that had a visitation from God and got saved. But that's rare. Majority of people that are going to be touched by God, it's going to happen through somebody. Somebody being light. Somebody being salt. Somebody being hope. Somebody being a light in a dark world is how people are going to get changed. You know, a lot of you came to this church because of Dr. Jacobs. Because you saw some light. And it changed your life. Because God uses people. And the thing that we need to realize is God doesn't just want to use people in the pulpit. God wants to use all of you in your world. God wants to use all of you during your week. At your job. At your school. At the gym. Wherever you go. God wants to use you. And this old mindset that preachers and teachers do the work of the ministry and People just come to church. That's not scripture. That's religion. Actually, the Bible says you come to church so you can go out and do the work of the ministry. So what's happening right here is training for the rest of your week. Not just you come to church so you can feel better about yourself. You're, you're coming for training for the rest of your work week. You're coming for training and help and encouragement and an uplift and an empower that the rest of your week, you can be the light. So it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. People want to see something, not just hear something. This world is tired of Christians talking a big talk, but not walking any of it out. And it says, let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, this is one of the most precious things Christians say. (laughs) Well, they should know my heart. They should know my heart. I got a good heart. Got a good heart. Newsflash, people can't see your heart. 
Do you know that? The reality is, God knows your heart. People don't. They know your works. So a lot of us are saying, well, people just know I'm my heart and they know I love them. No, they know your works. That's what they know. They know your actions. They know your response to them. They don't know your heart. And a lot of Christians will say that as a cop-out for not doing anything. Well, Lord knows my heart. Yeah, God does. People don't. People don't know. But it says, what do they see? They will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They will see your good works. Now, this is not good works so we will be saved. This is good works because we have been saved. This is good works because the the creator of heaven and earth lives on the inside of us. These are good works that we can only do because the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of us. And notice it says, They will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When you're out of these four walls, people are looking for your works. Now what are these good works? Well these could be a lot of things. These could be as practical as God tells you to pay for somebody else's lunch. God tells you to give your friend an offering. God tells you to go over to somebody's house and help them out with a project. Sometimes we don't see that but that's still spiritual and that's still good works that God can use. That's being the light. It could be, God says, lay hands on that person and they get healed instantly. That's letting people see your good works. People that need deliverance and you say, hey, I can pray for you. You don't have to be intimidated by this. You don't have to be scared by this. God can deliver you. And you praying for that person, they want to see something, not just talk about it. They want to see our good works. So we got to let our light shine before men so that they will see our good works. And notice, when they see our good works, when they see our light, they will glorify our Father in heaven. So my question is, what kind of good works are we doing on a regular basis? What kind of actions are we taking? Are we just assuming, well, you know what? People will come to me if they know I'm Christian. They'll find me. Ah. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. No, they'll see you if you're light. And if you're not hiding it, they'll see you if they can see some good works about your life. But we got to let our light shine before men that they would see our good works, and glorify our Father in heaven. Let's turn to Isaiah 60, last verse. Did you guys get anything this morning? So God has called each of us in here to be the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. A lamp on a lampstand, out in the open, where everybody knows where you stand. Everybody knows that you're light. And they they would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Isaiah 60, 
in verse 1. And this is God speaking prophetically about the times and days we live in. It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse 2, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. Notice, and His glory will be seen upon you. How how do they see that? That's the light. Verse 3, notice what will happen. The Gentiles shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. That they will gather together. They will come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters will be nursed at your side. And they will see and become radiant. Your heart shall swell with joy. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. And the wealth of the Gentiles shall come. To you. But notice what it says. Let your light arise. Let it shine. Because deep darkness is coming over the people. But the Lord will arise on us. His church. And His glory. Notice it will be seen on us. Verse 3. That Gentiles. Or that means unbelievers. Shall come to your light. And the kings to the brightness of your rising. 